Welcome to the Youth Month edition of the Easy Does It podcast. What words of wisdom do you guys have for other young people who are new to investing or perhaps they're scared to get started? The number one thing I would say is start now. I mean, you always hear people saying the best time to start investing was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. If you start today, you've got more time than if you start tomorrow. And it's all about time in the market. The longer you invest for, the longer your money has to compound. Yeah. So we mentioned in our blog as well, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's actually very profound. But it's not just your money that compounds, it's also your knowledge, right? So start now. The investing will do the teaching. You have time to lose money and you have time to make it back. Especially if you're young, like, so I think if you're young, you actually have a huge, huge advantage. Welcome to Easy Desert, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. <laughs> My name is DJ At Large and welcome to the Easy Does the Podcast, your cool guide to investing with no jargon and no complications. Things in the kitchen are getting very, very heated as we're cooking up another great portfolio with an investor. But because it's youth month, we'll be doing things a little bit different, right? We have two very, very young investors. In fact, they are 19-year-old twin brothers who are completely owning the market. Their handles on Twitter is at YoungInvestor03 and at GenZInvestor4. Their real names, which I only learnt about this today because I always just see their handles, is Justin and Connor. And they are on a journey to financial freedom and wealth creation through investing. So for Youth Month, we'll be cooking up a great portfolio with the Stubbs Twins, 19-year-old investors who also educate their peers on financial literacy. Gents, welcome to the Easy Desert Podcast, man. Yo, thank Yo. you for having us, man. I'm super excited. I, I heard you guys listen to the podcast quite often, yeah. so it's, it's great to finally have you guys on it. Yo, it's great to be here. Uh, I always listen, like I said, but I think some of my favorite episodes, definitely the ones with Chols in them. Oh. I love that guy. I can listen to him speak forever. And but, now you can listen to yourself forever, yeah, which is going to be yeah, great. So yeah. uh, to get things started off, uh, as you guys know, we've always got a random money question, right? So I'm going to start with you, Justin. If your investment portfolio could speak, what do you think it would say about you? I think if my portfolio could speak, it would tell you that I'm a, a young person and that I'm a very risky person. Mm. <laughs> because of my age, you know, I have a lot of time to invest. So my investments are a little bit more risky. I'd say. Yeah, so young, risk-taking, and I have a long time horizon for my investments. Ooh, right, cool stuff. never too young to, to start early. Over to you, Connor. Uh, if your investment portfolio could speak, what would it say about you? Okay, so definitely the same as him in terms of risk. I have a lot of risky stocks, but definitely would also say that I love fintech and tech stocks in general. And I also have a lot of faith in ESG stocks. So I don't know if the listeners know what ESG means. But it stands for uh, environmental, social, and governance. Basically, it just means that, uh, in short, that businesses scale sustainably, they have excellent leadership, and they leave like a positive impact on the world. Yeah. So uh, there is a, a bundle on Easy Equities. Uh, I think it's by Emperor, and it's just ESG. So you can check there. They have a bunch of ESG stocks that they've themselves researched. So 
Yeah, no, I love ESG stocks, man. Yeah, I'm so fascinated that you guys are so young. Um, anytime I meet somebody that is old or really, really young when it comes to investing, I always get so fascinated. And I know later on we'll talk a bit about your guys' money story. You know, what got you guys into investing, what motivated you guys. But for now, I want to keep you guys on your investment toes by playing a little bit of a game. It's called Never Have I Ever. So the first statement is, and I'm going to start with Connor, right? Okay. Never have I ever bought a stock because i had a good feeling about it you didn't do any research you didn't do it you just had a feeling about a specific stock has that ever happened to you yes it's definitely happened to me uh before i actually did any research and i actually yeah. bought into it renogen okay mm. i did do some research afterwards though and i really like what i saw and what i researched but before i researched that stock i just had the best feeling about it. i got in really early as well mm. and it did pay off and that doesn't happen often so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and, and on your side justin uh yes i have unfortunately it didn't work out well <sighs> like connor's one yeah so i was just on twitter the twitter streets you know and then i found uh, a lot of hype about the stock called neo it's a chinese uh ev stock and obviously the vibes were there and I just had a good feeling about it. So I decided, okay, let me just purchase this stock. Uh, I bought it and then about three months later, I was down about like 60 to 70%. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. But it's oh. funny because only after you go down, you're like, okay, it's time now. I need to do some research. And then you realize <laughs> yeah. actually it was not a good buy. Yeah, it wasn't. And I already own Tesla as well. So I didn't even need another EV stock. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah. So, let's, so let's get into the second statement, right? And we're going to start with you, Justin. Uh, never have I ever showed off my investment portfolio online. Uh, guilty. <laughs> what, what was the reason for doing it? Was it just to to encourage other people to invest? Do you want to show off all the hard work that you've done in creating this this portfolio? What was the reasoning behind it? Uh, at first, I posted like my purple group uh, returns, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that's really exciting when it happens to you. Like yo, I didn't actually know I could do this in the stock yeah. market. So I think there was just pure excitement. Mm. But after a while, I've realized like it's not always the best thing to do. Not not because like for me, I'm excited about it, but it doesn't help other people because you just post your screenshots online of your profits and then someone doesn't even do any research and they just FOMO into it like like I did with Neo. Ah, I, I see, yeah. I see. Uh, Connor, have you done it before? Yeah, I've done it as well. Um, same reason as Justin, actually. Uh, but what I find is, so posting like a screen grab of your total portfolio value, like I think the reason why I do that or have done in the past, I haven't done recently, but... Why I have done in the past is that it actually inspires people to invest. And I think the end goal and what we actually want people to do is to start their investing journey, uh, start learning and just get on the journey. Let's get into the last statement, right? Never have I ever sold a stock because I panicked. Yeah. Uh, are you guilty of this? No, I'm not guilty. But <laughs> le- let me tell you, my brother does have a story to tell you guys. Okay, okay. So, kind of, <sighs> what's okay. the story? What's the story? Yeah, so... Uh, EC10, okay, so we all know EC10 on Easy Equities, everyone loves it, crypto. Uh, So 2020, December 2020, um, the the stock went on this crazy rally, it just didn't look like it was going down, okay. So I bought in at about 35, 40 rand a share. Uh, Looking back now, it's like, yo, I wish I could get back in those those levels, right? Uh, So the stock goes up, it goes, goes up to like, what, 70, 80 rand a share? And then my brother, I'm sleeping now, okay? So I wake up around 20th Jan. I'm sleeping. My brother is laughing now. He's laughing. But he phones me, right, while I'm sleeping. He's like, yo, 
dude, look at EC10. It's crashing. It's down 15%. It's at 60, 60 rand a share. <laughs> now I'm waking up and I'm like, oh my word. Oh my word. It's crashing. I have My emotions are just coming on to me all at once now. So I'm like, yo, okay. I sell at like 60 rand a share, 55, 60 rand a share. And now, oh man, I regret that so much because I don't think I'll ever get the opportunity to buy in at 35, 40 rand a share like I did. And I think the important thing with investing is to not punish yourself. Like the mistake happened, I learned from it. Going forward, I know exactly what to do. But yeah, but thank you guys so much for being so honest and open about <laughs> some of the mistakes and successes when it comes to investing. Uh, I want to get into your guys' money story. And I'm intrigued by your guys' age. You know, what encouraged you guys to start investing? And how did you guys discover um, Easy Equity? Should I start with you, Justin? Uh, so we were 12 years old. Jeez. And yeah, it was crazy. We used to play cricket. Uh, we loved it a lot. And we played for, we managed to make a district team for mm. Johannesburg. And Easy Equities actually sponsored our team. So, oh, okay. yeah, so we, it was really cool. We all got like these Easy Equities shirts and we had our numbers and our names on the back with the sponsorship in the front. Uh, so that's how we found out about Easy. Yeah, so at that time I bought my first purple shares when I was 12 years old. I don't know how much I bought. I, I think it was about like 500 Rand, but it turned into quite a bit. <laughs> Because wow. yeah, and and in terms of the encouragement yeah. to actually start that journey, Connor, where where did that come from? So I was single mom. She struggled to pay the bills, and I don't think they don't want to see their mom going through that. It's a lot of pain to watch. Uh, but it's not just our mom. I think the vast majority of the population, mm. um, in South Africa, so people struggle to save. I think if you can save every month, if you live in South Africa and you can save every month or at least once a quarter, I think you can consider yourself a bit privileged. Um. So I really, and my brother too, we didn't want to like fall into that trap of not being able to save every month, not being able to save every quarter or invest. And more importantly, we actually wanted to, to be able to own something. So we read a book, uh, everyone's heard about it. it, sometimes it's looked down on, sometimes not, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But the number one lesson that we learned was, you know, just buy assets and you want to have, you want to own assets. And the easiest and best way to do that was easy equities. So here we are, 2020, things get about a bit worse for a lot of people, not just our mom. And we like, okay, we need to take our own fate into our own hands. So we start getting really aggressively into investing. We start investing, saving every single month. So I think that's really where it came from. What I'm also curious to know from you guys is people often say that investing is very difficult to, to do and to understand at the beginning. There's dividends, there's this jargon, there's ET, there's a whole lot going on that's very, very complicated. How did you guys navigate uh, that at the beginning of your investment journeys? Uh, Khan, I don't know if you want to start. I think the jargon, it's, it's there and I think it, it looks very confusing. I think people want it to be confusing. Uh, but it's really not that confusing. Uh, I mean, we we're actually talking about this like a week ago, um, how you don't have to have like a 140 IQ to learn how to invest. Mm. There is this, all, all this jargon. Uh, I mean, for us, it was just about like reading books or whatever. But the most important thing was actually starting the journey. Um, I think the best teacher ultimately is investing. I don't think anyone can teach what investing can teach you. So slowly but surely you start learning like, yo, Dividends is when a, a stock pays uh, their shareholders with mm. excess cash that they have. Okay, so I literally get paid just for holding the share, basically. That's what dividends are. Then we get, you know, it's just jargon. So I think there was a book, 
it's Warren Ingram, a uh, global investing made easy. That book as well, it, it, it kind of really opened our eyes. Justin, as your brother have mentioned, you guys seem to do a lot of reading, right? So I'm curious to know, apart from reading, do you guys follow particular people on social media? Do you guys listen to podcasts? Uh, perhaps there's other books as well that you guys are reading. So, you know, I'm just curious to know how you guys navigated uh, all of this jargon and the confusing terms and all of that. Yeah, so at the start of our journey, obviously, I think everyone struggles with, with jargon because you see all these big terms, yeah. you don't really understand any of it. But that's normal, everyone goes through that. Uh, we just tried our best to educate ourselves, you know, we, so I was watching a lot of YouTube videos, I was learning about all these different ratios, reading books. Uh, the biggest thing for me was Twitter. There's a lot of people on Twitter that are willing to help and they share their, their content, they share their knowledge and that's where you really learn a lot. And we, we started our Twitter accounts just to share what we have learned on our investing journeys and people really, really liked it. Like we got some good feedback from it. So that really encouraged us to learn even more so that we can put out even more content for people. Because also now people are asking questions as well and you guys like, actually we need to also go do a little bit of our own research, yeah. which I think is really amazing. The other thing that I was very curious about is your mom and your household. Do you guys openly talk about money? Well, in our household, it's, it's really like a sensitive topic. Mm. Like we, yeah, well, Connor and I love speaking about money and finances yeah. and investing, but like with our mom, you know, it's, she doesn't really, she's not really into it and she kind of makes her like uncomfortable sometimes. I know you're listening to this mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, but we try our best. I think she has come around a bit, but mm. we don't really openly speak about finances, I wouldn't say. But like a lot of our friends have come to us and they wanted to learn about investing and we love obviously speaking about it and helping others. I would say within our immediate family, not really, but like everyone else, I think we do. Yeah, and, and maybe you guys can be the ones that sort of change that culture within your families. Because a lot of families, like, money's not discussed, it makes people uncomfortable. But I think we need to have those open conversations because you guys are going to be the Warren Buffetts uh, of South Africa, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, our mom, actually, so she's never been able to discuss finances, never mind budget and save and whatever. But slowly but surely, we've gotten her to budget. So she started her budgeting. She started paying off her debt uh, and she has actually opened up her Easy Equities account as well, which is great news. It makes Justin and I extremely happy. Oh, man, that's lovely. Yeah. So lovely that you guys have had this influence on her, yeah. which I think is really, really amazing. So uh, I want to talk a bit about young people, right? Because you guys are really young investors. What words of wisdom do you guys have for other young people who are new to investing or perhaps they're scared to get started? The number one thing I would say is start now. I mean, you always hear people saying the best time to start investing was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. If you start today, you've got more time than if you start tomorrow. And it's all about time in the market. The longer you invest for, the longer your money has to compound. Yeah. So we mentioned in our blog as well, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's actually very profound. But um, it's not just your money that compounds, it's also your knowledge, right? So start now. Mm. The investing will do the teaching. You have time to lose money and you have time to make it back. Especially if you're young, like, so I think if you're young, you actually have a huge, huge advantage. And I really love what you said about your knowledge also compounds. Yeah. So yes, your money is growing, but even your, your thinking and the way you see shares and the way you do research also compounds, which I think is so profound. I want to talk a bit about your guys' investment strategies, right? I know it's risky because you guys are quite young, but you know, as much as you guys are twins and brothers, you also have your own individual thinking of how I want to build my wealth. So Justin, in terms of your investment strategy, what does it look like? Okay, so first of all, I decide my goal okay so what is my goal for investing mm. 
for me personally, it's retirement. I want to be able to retire off of my investments. But your goal can be anything. Like it could be to send your kids to school. It could be to start a business one day. It could be to buy a house. Um, but for me personally, it's retirement. Okay, so now that I know my goal is retirement, that is however many years away. It's like 40 years away. Okay, so that's my time horizon is long. Okay, and now that I know my time horizon, I can understand my risk profile. Okay, once I've understood my risk appetites, then I know what kind of assets I can buy. And because I, I have a higher risk appetite, I can lean more towards stocks, uh, ETFs. But I want to diversify as well. So I'm going to own stocks, ETFs. I want to buy property. And you can do all of that on Easy Equities as well, which is great. Yeah, which is really amazing. Yeah. Uh, Connor, in terms of your investment strategy, is it similar to your brother's? I know it's risky, uh, yeah. but and, and I know you mentioned ECESG as well as, as something that you look at. But just tell us a bit about your strategy. Okay, so like my brother said, with the whole time horizon risk appetite thing, basically identical to him. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do take on a lot more risk. But typically what I look for is a business has a product or service that I truly believe in. That's like the number one thing. Like, yo, I want to believe in that and I want to buy into that. Mm. So if I can, then that's the number one thing. So if that changes, then maybe I'll reevaluate. Also, consistently investing every month. So 20% of my income uh, is a bare minimum uh, usually. But because I don't really have expenses, uh, I think like one of my only expenses right now is my cell phone bill. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously maybe sending my mom some money every month. But other than that, I can actually invest a lot more than 20%. Another thing that I... That I always look for is I don't want to see myself buying a share that I'm not going to hold for the next 10 years so in 10 years time I want to be like yo I'm still holding this share I still have the same conviction I had 10 years ago Oh man, I wish at 19 I was thinking like you guys. <laughs> I was worrying about all the wrong things when I should have been buying shares. I'm so jelly. In terms of you know investing in those who are new who are listening to the show, what would you guys say are the key ingredients to cooking up a great portfolio? Uh, Justin, what are these these key ingredients? Okay, well, first of all, I think you need to diversify. Mm-hmm. Okay, because. Obviously, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Yes, yes. If that stock falls, then what are you going to do? You've just lost all your money. But also with diversifying, not even just within stocks, like there's different asset types that yes. you can buy. So there's property, there's crypto, there's uh, stocks, there's dividend stocks, all of this. Diversify and make sure that you're protecting yourself because you, that, that is what diversifying is. You're just protecting your, your money. Connor, what would you say are other key ingredients to, to cooking it up? So uh, I want to kind of dive deeper into that, what Justin said. Uh, so like when we diversify, I think this is actually in Warren Ingram's book that we spoke about earlier, the global investing made easy. Uh, so basically what he said was that diversifying is um, one, geological, two, asset classes and three, time. So you want to make sure you own more than one asset class. You don't want to just own stocks. You want to own some property. You want to own some cryptocurrency, uh, maybe ETFs. Uh, that's also really good for beginners. ETFs because, you know, it's it's an index that's tracked for you. You don't have to do a lot of work. So, and then you got geologicals. You don't want to have all your money in one country. And I know as South Africans on Easy Equities, we love our local stocks. <laughs> and I'm like that too. I really love the local market. I think there's a lot of opportunities here to kind of spread the risk because we don't know where... South Africa is going to be in the next 20 years. Uh, you want to you wanna have maybe some American stocks. Uh, there's also a lot of index uh, ETFs on easy equities that you can buy um, European shares through those Indian shares, Chinese shares. Uh, there's also Easy Australia, so you can get involved on there. Uh, ultimately, you just want to get as many countries as you can. Uh, probably do some research beforehand. And then I said time was the third one. 
by that, basically what I mean is dollar cost averaging or rank cost averaging, if you must. Uh, for those that don't know what that means, basically, so let's say you, let's say you get an inheritance of like uh, 100k. Uh, instead of investing all of that all at once, you want to split up maybe over 12 months and then you can just divide 100k by 12 and just invest the same amount every, every time at the same day, uh, no matter what the stock prices are, okay? Because basically what that does is it will average down your, your purchase price. Okay, so over the long term, so if you also if you're buying in a let's say it's 2008 when the whole financial crisis happened, if you invested all your hundred thousand just before it happened, you'd probably lose a huge chunk of that. Uh, but if you dollar cost average or rank yeah, cost average, yeah, you're splitting your your risk up over that, so you won't you won't lose all of it at once. Maybe you'll lose some of it, <laughs> but you won't lose all of it at once. Yeah. Interesting for you guys to give us that main ingredient uh, in terms of cooking up a great portfolio. So I want to talk a bit about your guys' actual shares. So what you guys have invested in, right? So Justin, uh, what are your three favorite? It could be local, could be international shares or ETFs. Okay, so my favorite local share is obviously Purple Group. I mean, I just love what they've done for me personally and for so many other South Africans. Like the democratization of shares, of investing, is that's something I really, really yeah. believe in. And that's something I'm happy to be a shareholder for. Um, offshore, Apple. Okay. Who doesn't love Apple? I mean, <laughs> if Warren Buffett puts 40% of his portfolio in Apple, then you know it's a good stock. Um, and then the other one is Meta. So Facebook, um, okay. yeah, I'm down now. It has had a, a rough few months, but I'm still buying. You're still holding on. You're yeah, still buying you yeah. Know. I just think it's a good opportunity now to buy at lower prices. Ah, I yeah. see. Connor, on your side, your three favorite local international stocks. It could be okay. ETFs. So I'm gonna agree with Justin on Purple Group. It's my largest holding. So yeah. uh, I can speak about Purple Group for, for probably hours at a time. <laughs> Second, uh, I also want to say Apple. Also, my biggest holding offshore. And my third favorite uh, is actually an ETF. Uh, it's the Total World ETF. Um, uh, so it tracks 9,000 companies, I'm sure, or 9,000 plus in over 47 or 49 countries. So like I spoke earlier about the diversifying, it brings in all of that at once. It brings in the, the geological and it brings in the asset classes because not just stocks, it's also property, a uh, tiny bit of property, not a lot, but it's still there. So REITs uh, are there as well which is real estate investment trusts. Uh, they pay dividends, uh, great to hold. Uh, but yeah, I really love that ETF. It's like one of my favorite. I always buy it when I get money. Oh man, thank you guys for, for letting us into uh, what you guys like, what your favorite stocks are. I want to talk about the worst performing stocks, right, in your portfolio. And <laughs> look at Connor rolling his eyes and looking away. Don't. <laughs> I want to know, uh, in terms of the shares that are not performing so well, uh, Connor, in your portfolio, what are some of these shares? Okay, so I'm a, I'm a huge Kathy Woods fan. Uh, not many people would agree with me. I actually saw some people hating on her. I actually see people hating on her quite often on Twitter. Uh, and I think they have a lot of reason to do so. I mean, I'm down 70% in the ARK Innovation ETF. So that's the worst performing ETF that I have. Um, I still hold and I still believe in like what she, her, her ideas are. I really love her ideas. I am starting to doubt her ability to actually spot innovation, but I still really, really love like her ideas about uh, rights law, which comes from Moore's law, I'm sure in the 70s or 60s I was. Uh, but yeah, and she's also a huge Tesla fan, which I am too. And um, another one is Cloudflare, also offshore US stock. Uh, it's actually a funny story. I think I'm down like 30% now, uh, which isn't too bad considering compared to the Arc Innovation mm -hmm. ETF. Uh, and I'm averaging down on all of these as well. But 
that stock was once upon a time not too long ago actually a couple months ago it was it was up 160 percent and now i'm down 30 <laughs> percent it's so volatile it's actually crazy one week it's up 20 percent the next week it's down 50 percent i can't keep up <laughs> i can't i can't keep up <laughs> and on your side uh, adjusted in terms of the shares that are not really performing that well perhaps you're still holding on to them uh, okay, well, the the worst share I've ever bought was the Neo one, mm. but I just cut my losses with that one after I actually did some research and realized it's not what I want. Um, and then because of the recent like crash in, in the US, um, my Amazon is down. I think I'm down like 20% in Amazon and also Meta as well, but only down like 15% there. But uh, yeah, it's not too bad considering how the market's been recently. Um, but yeah, so I'm still holding Amazon and Meta and I'm still buying both of them. Yeah, and of course, you know, investing is for the long term. So we're not yeah. really concerned with what's happening today or tomorrow. We're always looking about, you know, the long term when it comes to, to shares and investing. I want to talk a bit about research, right? So when you guys are, are doing research in terms of what ETFs to invest in, what shares to invest in, uh, what time are, what, what kind of research do you guys do? Okay, well, for ETFs, um, so we, we have to check the fact sheets. Um, yeah. And then we go over the prices of it and then we have to compare it to competing ETFs because, I mean, there's the Signia S&P 500 ETF, for example, and then there's the Satrix S&P 500 ETF and they both offer the exact same thing, right? So the research for ETFs is, okay, which one of those do I do I choose? Mm. So you want to check the prices, how much are the fees over the long term going to be? Yes. Um, yeah, and then for stocks, it would be... So first, you, you want to understand the business because you never ever invest in something that you don't understand. That's something I've learned, okay? Um, so then... But you just have to check the annual reports. You need to see what products and services they're selling. Like you just need to understand how they make money. Okay, then we we both make sure that they have good leadership because leadership is very important to us. Because if we believe if the leadership and management is good, then the business is going to be good. Well, it should follow. Uh, then we have the financials. We want to at least make sure there's some healthy financials. Um, I know Renogen is a stock I own that doesn't really have healthy financials, but I think there's so much potential for Renogen that I don't really mind right now. But I'm keeping a close eye on it and I'm checking all the sales reports, making sure that it's all on track. And so far, I'm happy with it, so I'm keeping with it. And then we also make sure it has a moat. So the moat is the, it's basically the competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So we want to buy a share that has a competitive advantage. Uh, so Purple Group, for example, the patent for fractionalized shares, uh, Renogen's helium deposits, uh, Tesla's um, EV, the brand, Elon Musk, that's all a moat for them. Yeah, so we, we want to make sure it has a competitive advantage. That's yeah. from my side. Is there anything you want to add, Connor, to that? Yeah, okay. So I think the most important, I think Justin did say that leadership was important to us, but I think I don't think you went in depth like how important it actually <laughs> is to us. Uh, so there's a there's a study done by Jim Collins. Uh, he's also an author. Uh, but him and his team, they did. I think it was a five to ten years research thing. It took them forever. Uh, but basically, what they did is they took all the stocks that they could find on the Fortune 500. Uh, it was before the year 2000, so it was, or just after the dot com crash, actually, uh, that the book was just released. So at the time, there were 11 companies ever uh, that first of all, performed beneath the market for 15 years, followed by 15 years of beating the market by at least three times, right? So there was only 11 companies, and uh, if I remember some of them, was, it was Nucor, Wells Fargo, and uh, there was Walgreens. That was three. I can't remember all of them. 
Uh, but basically, what all of them had in common was they had what Jim Collins and his team called level five leaders. These level five leaders, uh, basically, when things go right, they don't take the credit. They give the team the credit. They'll say, yo, uh, this was luck. They'll also like saying it was it was luck. Uh, and when things go wrong, they don't they don't blame anyone else but themselves. So they're kind of looking out the mirror when things go right, and they're looking in the mirror when things go wrong. Okay, so that's a big, big, big thing for us. Like leadership, we spend I would say minimum four or five hours just researching leadership, yeah, uh, understanding who are the individuals that are yeah. actually in control of this company and are looking to take it forward, which I think is really, really important. Yeah, the leadership aspect is is, is really key. You look at at Purple Group as an example and what Charles has been able yeah. to do with the business. It's really, really important. Uh, talking a bit about other people's portfolios, right? <laughs> if you guys could have a sneak peek into somebody else's portfolio. Who would it be and why? Kind of, whose portfolio would you want to see? One hundred percent, Charles Savage. <laughs> I've mentioned him like three, four times already in this episode. Uh, but like, I have friends as well that would just be like, Charles Savage. They've they've researched him. They've only been researching him for the past three years. I'm like, yo, dude, he's the best entrepreneurship <laughs> in the country. Like, best entrepreneur in the country. Uh, and I think being an entrepreneur and knowing so much about business as well definitely helps with investing. So I would I'd probably give my arm away just to know what he has in his portfolio, <laughs> to be honest. I think yeah. I think we need to nudge him and, and get him onto the podcast again so he can share exactly what he's investing 100%. in. Justin, is, is it the same for you? Uh, well, for me, I probably Charles probably has everything in Purple Group, to be honest. <laughs> uh, for me, I would say Jay-Z because Ooh. so obviously he's made a fortune from music. Yeah. But before that, he was actually a drug dealer, I read somewhere. So his story is pretty amazing. But uh, he was, Warren Buffett actually had a dinner with him when Warren was 80. So it was a few years ago. And after the dinner, Warren Buffett said that the youth should be looking to learn from Jay-Z because of of what he's doing with his money. And now Jay-Z is a billionaire and he he owns stocks, he owns property, he owns art, he owns liquor businesses. Yeah, that's such an interesting one. I've never heard somebody saying Jay-Z in particular, which I think is is, is super interesting. Um, In terms of stocks for the future, uh, what do you guys have in your stock watch list at the moment? Which company are you looking at? You haven't quite put your money in it as yet, but you're like, there's something going on here. Uh, Justin, what's in your stock watch list? For me, I don't know why I haven't invested in them. Uh, Berkshire, for me, I think the only concern I have is the age of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Like, I don't know what's going to happen after that. I'm sure they'll be in safe hands, but I just, I want to see where it goes after Mm. that. Um, But yeah, if I could, if if I could have invested in them 20 years ago, I would have. But now I just feel their age is a problem for me. And Mm. I just, I don't know where they're going to go after that. Mm. Uh, Connor, same thing with you. Uh, What what other companies are in your stock market? So I actually have two that I've been watching literally forever and a day now. Um, So one is also a big favorite on Twitter that's spoken about quite a bit. Uh, It's Labat Africa. So I think up until 2019, they were just an investment holding company and then changed their strategy around completely. And they, what I understand is that they want to enter the cannabis space. So I, I like I'm really looking forward to that, uh, seeing what they can do. I haven't invested yet because I think it's still early and very risky. Uh, legislation can change like that as mm. well. Another one is <laughs> kind of similar, but it's offshore. Um, it's called Compass Pathways. Uh, so they listed, I think it was last year sometime, but they actually went public. Uh, so they mental health company uh, with a spe- specific focus on psilocybin treatment. So for depression. So 
the reason why I haven't invested yet is it's still very, very early. Again, legislation can change very fast. Um, and they're still in trial phases, so they're not making any money. They're not making any revenue at the moment, no earnings. Uh, but it is something I'm looking at closely because I do think that in the mental health space, there needs to be a change. I think we all know somebody that is affected by depression in some way. And I, I, I want to see that be looked at more closely. So, yeah. Oh man, thank you guys so much for your time for joining me on the Easy Does It podcast. And I think you guys have proven that you're never too young to get started. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thank, thank you so much for having us. It's been amazing. Yeah, oh, great man. opportunity. Cooking up a great portfolio with the Stubbs twins, 19-year-old brothers who are completely owning the market. Hey, you are never ever too young to get started. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Desert Podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.